Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges, and this is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we are studying the Word of God. We are studying the Gospel of John, and today is episode 98. We're looking at John chapter 5, verses 14 through 18. This is the instance of Jesus healing the man who is disabled. Uh, some kind of mobility issue, paralysis, lameness. Not sure exactly. It's not described what the problem is, but Jesus healed him. Jesus approached the man who was lying by the poolside where the allegedly people would get healed if an angel stirred the water of the pool. The first one into it would get healed, and he could never be the first one because of his lack of mobility. And Jesus healed him. So let's pick it up, John chapter 5, verses 14 through 18. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Jesus responded to them, My father is still working, and I am working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Well, Jesus had healed the man. He never inquired as to the man's faith. All he said was, do you want to get well? And the man complained about his inability to get into the pool. And Jesus said, stand up, walk, and pick up your mat. And he did. So he was miraculously healed. And the problem was this occurred on the Sabbath, the day of rest, when you're to refrain from work. And so the religious people are criticizing the man because he picked up his mat on the Sabbath. That is working, and you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. And so they're chastising the man for picking up his mat, and he's saying, well, uh, I just doing what the guy told me to do. The guy who made me well told me to do this. Obviously, he's a spiritual authority, so I just did what he said. So they started quizzing him, well, who was this guy? And he said, I don't know. Well, sometime later, so verse 14 says, after this. uh, We don't know how long, but sometime after this, the man is at the temple. Now, we're not told why he is at the temple. We're not told if he's there to offer thanks to God for his healing, if he's there just because he wasn't able to go before, because as someone with a disability, he wouldn't be allowed to go into the inner area of the temple. He would have to stay in the outer areas because there was something physically wrong with him. Well, now, for the first time, he's able to actually go to the innermost courts of the temple. So maybe that's it, because he's never been able to go there before. Maybe it is out of a a thankful heart that he wants to praise God for his healing. We don't know, but he's at the temple, and Jesus finds him there. And Jesus says, See you are well. Do not sin anymore, so that something worse doesn't happen to you. Now, the immediate thought is, Jesus is saying, It was because of your sin that you were disabled. Now you've been healed, and if you don't stop sinning, something worse is going to happen to you. But if we contrast this to chapter 9, where Jesus heals the blind man on the Sabbath again, but we'll we'll get to that in due time. But the question is asked of Jesus, 
why is this man born blind? Was it because of his sin or because of his parents' sin? Jesus' response is, he wasn't born blind because of any particular person's sin, but he is blind so that he could be healed for the glory of God. Now, I thought to say bad things don't happen because of sin, but not every bad thing is a result of our own sin. Sometimes just bad things happen to people because we live in a sinful, fallen world, and bad things happen. People are born with deformities because we're in a sinful, fallen world, and bad things happen. But Jesus' comment to him, now the man never expressed faith. The man is not a believer. And Jesus challenges him about sin. Make sure you don't sin anymore or something worse could happen. Is he perhaps saying God's judgment for being a sinner, you not having experienced forgiveness of sin, that is something that would definitely be worse. All we, do, all we have is this, this statement, but I, I think that's what he's saying. Now, the man may believe he's saying, well, you could be disabled again if you don't stop being a sinner. But Jesus challenges him to change his life. Well, now the man knows who Jesus is because when Jesus healed him at the pool and they ask, well, who healed you? And he said, I, I don't know. Well, now Jesus has approached him at the temple. He knows who Jesus is. Uh, and verse 15, the man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Maybe he's still getting grief over the fact that he picked up his mat in violation of the Sabbath rules. We don't know what his motivation is, but he goes and rats out Jesus to the religious leaders. It was Jesus who made me well. Now, their concern was working on the Sabbath, but his report is the man who made me well. So he's at least reporting the good of this, that the man who made me well, he is the one, and it's Jesus. Verse 16. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Their concern is that he's violating the Sabbath. To heal someone is to break the Sabbath. That's work. And this was something that uh, was, was very near and dear to their hearts, was following the rules. Now, notice it says not he did this thing on the Sabbath, but he was doing these things. The, the, the verb tense there is, it was one, it's plural, and it's a continuous action. He kept doing a bunch of these things, and he kept doing them on the Sabbath. Then verse 17, Jesus responded to them, My father is still working, and I am working also. This is a conundrum for the uh, religious leaders back at that time. One of the discussion items was God works on the Sabbath. Because if God didn't work, the universe couldn't operate. God keeps things operating. God listens to prayer. God is doing things on the Sabbath. So how is it that God can do things on the Sabbath? Well, there's all kinds of clever responses to that. Well, you can do something within your own courtyard, and that wouldn't violate the Sabbath rules, and, and God's own courtyard is the universe, so God can do whatever he wants and, and not be a violation of the Sabbath rules, and, and they're just very rule-focused. 
But Jesus' response here is, well, God is still working. My Father is still working. He's keeping the universe running. And I am working also. The implication there is because I'm doing God things. The things I am doing are the things that God has assigned me to do. So I'm doing the things of God. And just as God works on the Sabbath, I do things on the Sabbath. Well, this makes their heads explode. Verse 18, this is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. So it's one thing to break the Sabbath. Sometimes you do things by mistake. You uh, in unintentionally or with you know not real negative motivations you, you do something and violate the rule so breaking the sabbath is a sin but it's a sin that there's sacrifice for there's there's forgiveness for but calling god his own father that in their mind now is making himself equal to god that's a high-handed sin that's not just a sin this is what the old testament numbers calls sinning with a high hand the uh, the the picture there is with your fist raised in the air, shaking your fist at God essentially, and that's what uh, it talks about. This in Numbers 15 it talks about unintentional sins. And different Bibles use different words. the the uh, The original Hebrew says sinning with a high hand. So some of them call it a deliberate sin or a uh, a defiant sin. And, and so sinning defiantly is this sinning with a high hand, this shaking your fist at God, so to speak. And there's no sacrifice for that. And that's what they see Jesus is doing here. He is making himself equal to God. That's not just a, you messed up and violated the Sabbath rules. This was def- being defiant to God. And it says he was breaking the Sabbath. That's a, the, the verb tense there is a continuous action. And calling God his own father, again, that's a continuous action. So they're really upset that there's this pattern. It's not just that Jesus made an offhand comment, but Jesus keeps doing these things and doing them habitually. And this is really bothering them. This is why they're not just persecuting him, but now, now even seeking to kill him. Because this guy has got to go. Now, calling God his own father... He's not just saying that God is the father of all or everybody is a child of God. They would be okay with that, of the idea that God is is all of our father. But the way he says it, my father, this is very intentionally saying there's something special about his relationship with God. And it's his justification for why he can violate the Sabbath because my father's working and I am working because I have to do what my father does. And, and he uses a lot of this, this kind of language about what he does and what the father does, what he knows, what the father knows. This is, he's obviously saying there's something very different about my relationship with God than yours. And in their mind, calling yourself the son of God like this is making himself equal to God, at least on the same level with God, making yourself out to be a God. The, the solution here, we got to get rid of this guy. 
So here we are, we're only in chapter 5 of uh, John's Gospel, and they're already looking for a reason to kill him. And that will be the very reason they do kill him, is because he declares that he has this special relationship with God that uh, they just can't handle. They can't stomach this. So we talked last time, and it's still you know, worthy of note, is they're missing what God is doing. They're missing God moving amongst them. They're missing the Son of God, God the Son, right there in front of them, healing people, teaching people, touching people, reaching people, and displaying the, the wonders of God right before their eyes because it's not matching the way they think it's supposed to be. That's where we've got to be careful that we don't miss a movement of God amongst us because it's not doing it the way we think it's supposed to happen. Well, thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of John.